seated tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you, worship team. Let's give these guys some love. Amen. So good to, so good to be back in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night. Amen. <laughs> All right. Um, just a couple of quick announcements as you turn in your Bibles uh, over to, uh, let's go to Second Kings, the second chapter, and then we're going to go over to Joshua 4. Uh, the ministerial credentialing and enrichment class, there's still time to sign up. This Sunday will be the last day for the sign-up to start that class. And next Tuesday, it's North Texas Food Bank time again. And so come on out and let's, let's minister to this community. Also, uh, on Sunday, we'll make further announcements. The nominating ballots will be out there. Uh, the eligibility of the members uh, that are eligible to run as candidates on the board uh, all of that will be displayed out there uh, on Sunday and also mar ladies mark your calendars February the 24th the ladies are going to go to the pink impact conference and uh, there's a QR code it's probably on the announcements or on the foyer out front be sure to purchase your ticket uh, because that event sells out very quickly and so that's going to be on February the 24th Friday February the 24th Father, we come before you tonight and ask God for your grace and goodness. Lord, we thank you for the presence that we feel in the house tonight. And we just ask, Lord, that you would move only as you can, Lord, in our hearts and through this service tonight. We pray for the anointing. We pray, Father, that we, Lord, would approach you and understand that, Father, you desire, Lord God, to be pleased by the faith that we have in you. And everybody said amen. Amen. As we look to the Word of God, I want us to see here, as we're going to go back to the, the Faith Life series. It's kind of been a choppy series. If you're trying to find it online, there's going to be some gaps there because we've been doing the renovation and such. But we've been talking about Elijah and Elisha. And what we're seeing in the life of Elisha is the demonstration of faith. So we can talk about faith, we can define faith, but it's actions speak so much louder than words, do they not? And so Elisha, we see him, and he's out in the field, plowing in the midst of the wintertime. And while he is out there in the field, he's being faithful. Amen? He's being faithful. And as we look at a faith life, we understand that it is being faithful. It's being full of faith, but it's also being in a place where you're supposed to be, at the time you're supposed to be there, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so we see that he was faithful in his field. I love the... The quote from Anon it says God has no larger field for the man who is not faithfully doing his work where he is there's no larger field waiting for you if you're not faithful where you're at so be faithful where you're at and God will open the doors to you but what we see is faith is not just a not just an event we're talking about a lifestyle of faith having a faith life and we saw how that Elisha after he received the touch of the anointing and the call of God upon his life, he was all in. He was, okay, we're going we're gonna to slaughter the ox. We're going to burn the plow. We're going to bull the ox. We're out of here. I'm not coming back to this place. And so I love what the word of the Lord says. He became Elijah's servant. He became Elijah's servant. But now I want us to look over in 2 Kings 2. What we see here is Elijah is getting ready to depart. The spirit of prophecy has already infiltrated the land. 
And so the school of the prophets and the prophets themselves, they understand that they don't know the exact time, but they know Elijah is getting ready to go. And we pick up the story in 2 Kings, the second chapter. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. And Elijah said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Stay in Gilgal. Now we're going to look at these cities, and we're going to take them one at a time, or the places where Elijah was trying to leave Elisha. It's kind of hard to build a church when you're telling everybody to, you stay there, I'm going over here. You, you, leave, you, you go over there, I'm going someplace else. But Elisha was, it was the testing of the Holy Spirit in Elisha's life. Is I'm going to follow you, I'm going to stick with you, I'm not stopping, I'm going where you're going. Kind of see the, 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 the Ruth situation, do you not? Uh, your God is my God, and I will lay where you lay, and where you, your, your family is my family. I'm going where you're going. And so, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to get to the place in our faith. It's like, I don't know where the world is going, but I'm going where God's going. I'm sticking with him. But here we're at Gilgal, and I want to look very closely at Gilgal, what it means. And I believe that the lesson that we have here in this passage is that we've got to, before we're ready to take the next step, we've got to make sure that we're anchored in that place that we're at. We're, we're anchored in what Gilgal means. Now, let's look over here as we see the history of Gilgal, where it's mentioned in Joshua. I'm going to read a number of verses here, but I want to, it's, we got to, there's a lot of things happening at Gilgal. The Lord wills, we're going to kind of try to tackle all those tonight. If we don't, we'll push it off till next week. But there's a lot of things happening at Gilgal. If you haven't studied Gilgal, you can see in these few verses here how exciting this place is because there is a, there is a transference from an old to a new. They're, they're getting ready to go in. They're, in fact, they're in the place of promise. But Gilgal, it's, I'm going to look here in Joshua 4, and let's begin reading at verse 19, and we're going we're gonna to read down uh, to, through chapter 5. A few verses there down to chapter 12, or verse 12, not chapter 12. So it's like, well, saddle up, we're about to ride. Okay. Now the people came up from the Jordan. This is Israel getting, they, they've come, they've received the, the, the law. And now they're, they're, they've, they've come through the Jordan. The people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal, on the east border of Jericho. So Gilgal is a suburb of Jericho. Okay, it's a suburb of Jericho. They've crossed over the Jordan, and they're now at Gilgal. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask, message not just for this generation, but the next generation, when they asked their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over Jordan on dry land. 
Verse 23, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now let's look in chapter 5. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan, all the kings that were of the Canaanites that are on the other side of the Jordan, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over. Notice what happens to the enemy when he begins to see the work of God, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves, circumcise your sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint stones for himself, and he circumcised the sons of Israel at the heel, uh, the heel of their foreskin. Now let's skip down here to verse 8. And so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in the places in the camp till they were healed. Verse 9, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce, notice that, they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. This is where we want to stop. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Hmm. A lot of things happening here in this passage of Scripture. And as we look at this, what I want us to begin to see is that we've got to, we've got to anchor ourselves in Gilgal. We've got to anchor ourselves in what Gilgal teaches us. Because we're not ready for the next step of the journey unless we are anchored here in Gilgal. As we look at Gilgal, what we see is, we'll talk about the definition of it in a, in a minute, but Gilgal for you and I is the, the anchoring ourselves in the salvation message. It's the anchoring ourselves in the salvation message. It's their first encampment. The manna has ceased. What does that mean? They're no longer going to get up in the morning and go out and gather the, the manna and bring it into their tent. In fact, that manna, they, they couldn't sow in the wilderness, and they couldn't reap in the wilderness. So God had to provide for them day after day for 40 years. But what we see now is they got to start sowing. They're going to eat the fruit that is in that land. But they're not just going to eat the fruit that is in the land. They're going to have to learn to sow and to reap now. See, God, he, he, he brings us out of bondage, and he walks us through the journey as we talked about Sunday, we'll carry forward uh, this Sunday. But we, we, we're on that journey through the wilderness, but it is the ultimate goal to get us to the walking in the promises. 
And we learn how to walk in the promises of God by what we learn as we journey through that wilderness. So once you get on the other side of that, now we've got to learn to sow in that land so that we can reap in that land. So the manna has ceased. Now they're going to eat the fruit of the promises of the land that is before them. And what we see is there's 12 memorial stones to remind them. Let's, let's look down here, first off, Gilgal. What does Gilgal mean? It means to roll an object away. Roll it away. Gilgal means to, some definitions it's a, it's a wheel, but ultimately the definition is to roll it away. We'll talk about we're going to roll away in just a minute. In a figurative sense, it is to, it is, it, it has the idea of rolling yourself onto the Lord, but also rolling away the things that are contrary to the, to the Lord. You're getting rid of those things. When it's talking about uh, physically, not figuratively, but physically, it would be the equivalent of the word used to roll a stone away. Now, Andrea talked about the stone that the Lord told those around to say, with Lazarus' tomb on Sunday, said, you guys roll that stone away so Lazarus can come forth. But there's another rolling away that we find when Jesus is coming out of the grave himself. The Bible says that the angels came down, and the angels rolled the stone away. But what we also see is what's fascinating about the Word of God, how things are so woven together in the tapestry of the message of the Lord so that we understand over and over and over and over and over again how good the good news is. The word Gilgal means to roll away. There's another word in the New Testament. Golgotha has the same root meaning as the word Gilgal, which is to roll away. So we're rolling away, but you're asking, what are we rolling away? You're asking some good questions. The Bible says that the reproach of Egypt at Gilgal, you're going to roll that away. You're going to re roll the reproach of Egypt. In other words, you're not in bondage anymore. And it's time that the church awakens to the reality that you're not in bondage anymore. You are a freeborn child of the King. You're an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. And I believe that God is awakening the body of Christ to know who they are in Christ and also to know who they are not. It's going to get good and it's going to get good. So hang on. Rolling away the reproach of Egypt. That word reproach, reproach, it's got several definitions, several meanings, words used to describe reproach. It means contempt. What does contempt mean? It's when a person is beneath consideration. What are we rolling away? Let's, let's, let's take the devil out of the equation 
let's take people out of the equation and let's just hear the voices that are coming forth in our own heart and our own mind let's stop giving the enemy credit and let's stop giving other people credit let's think about the voices of our past that speak to us that continually tell us that you're beneath consideration do we continue to sow to that spirit do we continue to sow to that past no we're not living in the wilderness anymore we're living in the place of promise and now in the place of promise uh, we have walked in we're not sowing to that anymore we're not people in fact the Lord said I want you to roll that mindset away I want you to get rid of it I want you to I want you to stop I'm getting continual phone calls so I'm gonna take that off I want you to roll that off and stop listening to the voices that say that you are beneath consideration. Am I going to have to get louder or just run across the top of the chairs tonight? Because I believe, folks, there's a... No. <laughs> They're not attached to the floor anymore. All right. That word reproach, every time that you feel that spirit that devalues you as an individual, it is time that you stop listening to that and say, no, that might have been who I was in Egyptian bondage, but I'm not in Egyptian bondage anymore. I'm a free-born child of the living God. I live by faith in Jesus Christ. That word reproach also means scorn. It's interesting that the word scorn means a belief that someone is worthless. Anybody don't, I'm not looking for a show of hands. I can see it in your eyes. You ever get a sense of worthlessness? We don't walk there anymore. What do we do? By faith, we roll it off. We roll that reproach of Egypt. That's who we were in Egypt. That's not who we are now. That reproach, that scorn, those continual feelings, uh, when they come upon us, that's when we say, no, we're, we're going back to, Gil to Golgotha where we are going to roll those things off as we were there. Elisha, you're not quite ready to step into that place of provision and promise uh, until you begin to understand uh, that you're not a worthless individual. You're not one beneath consideration, uh, but we're putting those things uh, for you and I, church, back upon Christ. Amen? That word reproach, it means to taunt. Has your past ever taunted you? You know what it means to taunt someone? It means to say things intentionally to harm the other person. How much harm do we bring on ourselves by rehearsing our past mistakes and failures? We don't need the enemy to stop us. We can, have, we can do it well enough on our own. We can stop the progression of the confidence that God has in his spirit in us by rehearsing the things that we have failed at and allowing those taunting spirits to con or the spirit of our past to continue to stop us or we can move on in Christ disgrace disgrace means a loss of respect or to discredit someone you ever felt disrespected Come on, church. Don't wear that around. 
you you have you are who you should be in Christ and it's not that other person that is necessarily the one making you feel that way it's just the not realizing who you are in Christ See, we, we spend a whole lot of time thinking for other people. They don't accept me. They don't respect me. They don't honor me. On and on and on and on. They don't value me. Ultimately, you are seeing the world not as it is. You're seeing the world as you are. But see, if you begin to see yourself in Christ... And realize that you're not uh, in Egyptian bondage anymore. You're not a slave to your past. You're not trying to outrun your past. You're just trying to keep up with your future. Amen? You're just trying to keep up with the promises of the Lord. And folks, God has ordained the church of the living God to be witnesses of his grace and his goodness. So what we see here, the last one and probably the most devastating one, reproach means... See, what we were attacking, what Elijah said, I need you to, uh, tells Elisha, I need you to stay in Gilgal till you begin to understand what, what it means and what Gilgal means to us as the people of God. I know I'm, 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 putting, I'm putting a lot in there, but, but church, understand, uh, when we begin to understand who we are in Christ, the devil is so afraid he loses his heart melts he has no more defense when you begin to walk in the completeness of the sacrifice of Christ he's got nothing he can't prod and poke a dead man I mean have you ever insulted a corpse they don't care they really don't care why because they're dead they don't feel disrespected, disgraced. They don't feel any of those things. Why? Because they are dead to self. And we are alive to Christ. The last one, shame. A serious, a self-conscious emotion arising from a sense that something is fundamentally wrong with oneself. Having a fundamental belief that there's something wrong with you. I can't do that because I'm this. I can't do this area of ministry because I'm this. Something is wrong with me. Let me tell you, there may be something wrong with us but there's everything right with Jesus. <laughs> and we are not who we were. And see, that's the sowing. It's sowing to that spirit, knowing that's that I am not that person anymore. I am a new creature in Christ. I don't live that way. I don't talk that way. I don't communicate on those levels. I don't let the interior of my thoughts begin to invoke those kinds of emotions anymore. And every time that they are invoked, I just simply need to go back to Golgotha, go back to Gilgal and roll those things back over onto Christ. Amen? Come on, somebody smile or shake or wiggle a little bit, have a convulsion, do something. 
Amen. <laughs> but see, the, the news is good in Gilgal. Man, it's, I, I just read you a lot of text tonight. And some of you Bible students, some of you were out there listening, and it's, it's, it's the first encampment. It Elisha's first encampment. He's following Elijah. He's crossed over the Jordan. He's, he's there with him, and he stops him, or he's, he's already uh, there at the place. He's at Gilgal. Elijah's trying to leave him. He's not, I'm not leaving. I've got it. Let's go. But Joshua tells us, go get 12 stones, the 12-stone memorial. Go get the stones out of the Jordan, 12, we're going to make a memorial. We're going to gather one, twelve, because of the tribes. See, it's, God made a covenant with the nation. The nation was Israel, but before that, that nation was a nation, it was a tribe. Before it was a tribe, it was a family. Before it was a family, it was a man. So Israel... Now, see, God makes covenant with all 12 tribes, all 12 sons, because God makes covenant with nations, but he also makes covenant with individuals. And so he put some memorial stones there. See, God dried up the Red Sea, and now God dried up the, the Jordan, but we're not going to go back to the Red Sea to see the memorial. No, we're going to stay in the place of promise, and we're just going to set up the memorial stones here. And now you're going to tell future generations of what God has done. God dried up the Jordan, but let me tell you what he did before that. He dried up the Red Sea. In, in fact, he, he baptized us in the Red Sea, and then he baptized us in the Jordan. Can I, do, I need to get, do you mind if I go ahead and draw back from that message a minute? Okay, he took us out of bondage, and we're not going to go back to bondage. That door is closed. That we're in the wilderness, but he didn't leave us in the wilderness. No, no, no. He opened that door to bring us through because we leave the wilderness behind. And now we're in the land of promise. And now we're going to start sowing the promises. We're going to quit talking about the problems. And we're going to start talking about the answers. And the answer is Jesus. Amen? The answer to your family issues is Jesus. The answer to your relational issues is Jesus. The answer to your health problems is Jesus. The answer to your financial issues is Jesus. The answer to this generation is Jesus. So, what we have here is some memorial stones. It's going to remind you of what God did for you and how he brought you out. We're only going to come to the border, and when you get yourself to the border of the Jordan, you don't need to go back to the Red Sea to see the deliverance. Just come right here. So when your son asks you, Daddy, what are these stones? You begin to tell them, this is what God has done for us. Mm. And when you tell them the story and it becomes alive in them and then the next generation comes up what do you do you pass it on to the next generation let me tell you what the Lord has done for us and then they receive that message and when they receive that message oh now now they get gets alive on the inside of them and they realize that they're serving a covenant God and a covenant God who not only makes covenant with nations but also generations and if God made a covenant with my father he made a covenant with my grandfather and all the way back to Abraham then God expects and he wants to have a covenant with me 
See, salvation is not behavioral modification. Salvation is radical, relational transformation. Amen. We're being changed from the inside out because of a relationship with a living God. And understanding that sacrifice. Now, what we see is they, it's their first encampment. The manna has ceased. They're now learning to sow in the land and eat the fruit. They have to decide, okay, I'm, is this feed or is this seed? If I'm going to have a tomorrow and continue to feed, I'm going to have to put some seed in the ground. I'm going to have to cultivate. I'm going to have to cultivate this land. And so there, there, there's some of them that never sown a seed in their life. But now they're going to learn to sow a seed. Because now they're going to learn to walk. And, and you're going to teach your children how to walk and how to sow. But see, and I'm going to tell you this, parents. If you don't teach your children how to sow, you're going to continue to take care of them because they're not going to reap. You're not just doing yourself an injustice, you're doing them an injustice. Teach your kids to sow. If you give them a dollar as a kid, you tell them, give the first increase of the Lord. Give, give, give the first increase of the Lord. If you teach them from a child when they are old, they won't depart. And when they get out and start making their own money, guess what? They'll start buying the meals and you don't have to. <laughs> Took my son-in-law bought his breakfast the other morning and uh, they said, we, we don't, hey, hey, we don't do that anymore. We do the, we're the ones doing the paying. I said, well, you can get it next time. <laughs> Venmo, if, Venmo me if you feel that strong about it. It's amazing as we look at this. There was, a fa there was a Passover when they left Egypt. And the Bible says that the next Passover feast is 40 years later when they stepped into the place of promise. Now there's a, there's a new generation that's stepping in. They were not circumcised in the wilderness. They were circumcised there when they crossed over and they're there in the Jordan. I'm not going to go into detail of circumcision. It's a removing of the flesh. Removing of the flesh. Thought just crossed my mind today as I was looking at this. You don't get circumcised more than once. It's a one and done. You don't repeat it. You're a, to combat the theology of dual nature kind of eliminates that, doesn't it? In other words, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I am a saint that has been delivered from my sins. <laughs> Amen? I know some of you are not comfortable with that, but you need to get comfortable with it because you're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint of Almighty God, and you don't have to sin every day. If you do, it's a choice you're making, and no one else is making it for you. You are the one doing it. You are a child of the king, and maybe you're not flying yet, but you're not earning your wings. You're just learning your wings. You're not working for this thing. This is not behavioral modification. 
You're learning to walk in relationship with the living God. And in doing so, your life is being transformed as a result of that. Let's get out of our mind. See, the Lord dealt with our flesh at Calvary. He took it out. If you continue, Ray, to walk in sin, it's your choice. Because God has given you the power over that sin. You just may not realize the power that you have over that sin. And that's why it's important to stay in the Word. And we're going to talk about authority next week. But it's important to know who you are in Christ. Amen. Circumcise a new generation. They kept the Passover. See, as we look at this and we see the, we, we, we feel the spirit of contempt come upon us. We feel the spirit of shame come upon us. We feel the disgrace and the disrespect and the, and the scorn that tries to infiltrate our hearts and our minds because the enemy, there's always going to be a warfare, amen? The enemy's not going to roll over and just give up the territory. You've got to know how to walk in your authority and, and, and take back that authority. And that land that God has given you. See, church, I think that a lot of times we tolerate a whole lot more than we have to. We tolerate a whole lot more torment from our past, our emotions, and the thoughts that are in our minds than we really rightfully should. We worry a whole lot more than, you know what worry is? It is a colossal waste of time. It is. It's just a waste. It's not going to cause you to grow. You can't grow in worry. We can only grow in faith. Amen? Worry only diminishes. Jesus said you can't grow, a, you can't grow at all in worry. Anyway. So the Passover. They held their first Passover. And they circumcised the next generation just walked through the wilderness they rolled away all the reproach of all of those things and my heart's desire for this house is to see lives so radically transformed by the relationship that you have with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to see you walk in the level of victory you didn't even know possible. See, if we, if we keep identifying ourselves as uncircumcised slaves, just trying to inch out our days, just trying to get by, but that's not the life the Lord wants us to live. I want my children personally to so supersede anything that I ever thought for them or anything I ever thought I could do for the Lord or have done for the Lord, I want them to dwarf that in comparison to the grandeur of what God has in store. Do you believe our Heavenly Father that I can think above my Heavenly Father? He wants that much more for you and then some because He's a God of faith. And he wants to see his children walking and not trusting in their resources and their abilities, but walking in trust of what he has done 
in learning that transformational relationship called salvation and we walk in that place and now we pass it on to the next generation my wife and I had this conversation the other day our greatest accomplishment on earth now and probably forever will be the three magnificent individuals we raise in our own house can I say that? See, pass this thing on. I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste any more time worrying about what didn't happen, should have happened, could have happened. I, wanna, I don't want you wasting another moment spinning around trying to figure out uh, why you can't get it figured out. <laughs> Amen? I think we're going we're gonna to look up one of these days and all the clouds are going to live. In fact, we're going to look upon the enemy and we're going to look upon him narrowly and we're going to say, you're the one that did all of this to the nations? You caused all this havoc in all the nations and generations? You're the one? I pray God would open our eyes today to realize all of the little isms and sisms and all the little worrisome things that filter around and all the voices that say you're disrespected, you're, you are belief, beneath consideration, uh, you need to wear this shame like a cloak around you. I want you to know I am, I'm to the place where I just want to see those things absolutely broken. Amen. All right, get up. Stand to your feet. We're gonna do some jumping jacks, okay? I know you're a little, you're a little, uh, you're a little behind on your Wednesday night services, so okay, we're gonna do some jumping jacks. We gotta get back in shape, okay? Come on, we've made our New Year's resolution. How many said your New Year's resolution? You're gonna get in shape. Ah, come on, you've been thinking about it. All right, gonna do some jumping jacks. Come on now, come on, we can do it. Come on, we're gonna come on, get your hands moving. We're gonna get in Wednesday night shape again. We're gonna we're gonna get back into the groove of things. We're gonna start praising, we're gonna start praying, we're gonna start showing up ready to receive. We're gonna get in shape. You're wondering why I'm not winded yet. It's because I'm getting in shape. Amen. Come on. Come on, we gotta start exercising that. Come on, don't make me do push-ups up here. No, I'm not going there. Okay. We got we to start exercising that faith. Come on now. I, I'm not what the devil says I am. I, I, I'm, a fearsome, I'm a fearsome menace to hell. <laughs> uh, I, the devil wakes up. You get up in the morning. Uh, he is so scared that you're going to find out who you are in Christ. He's going to find out. The, why do you think he's whispering in your ear? Oh, they don't respect you. You're so full of shame. There ain't nobody going to consider you. You're worthless. Those words are testament that God is for you and not against you. That is a testament that the enemy is afraid of you. Oh, you're the one? Shut your mouth, boy. I'm not listening anymore. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, let us walk in victory. Victory. Victory, Lord. 
Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that the dark cloud of defeat would break off the body of the believers, Lord. And my God, every stronghold of the enemy is nothing compared, Lord, to the fierceness of the sharpness of the sword. My God, it can, it can strike through metal. It can strike through any armor that the enemy has. It can even laser focus, separate soul and spirit, joint and moral, Lord God. It has a physical effect. It has a spiritual effect, Lord God. Let us sow the seeds of thy word, Lord. Bring victory to the house of the Lord. Bring victory into the minds of the children of God that we get away, Father God, from personal destiny and start getting into the kingdom reality of our purpose on earth, and that is to expand Eden everywhere we go. Lord, I pray tonight, Almighty God, that those in this house, those listening to this message right now, would not spend another day sowing in the reproach of Egypt, listening to the taunting of the failures of the past. But they began to roll those things over on Golgotha's hill on Calvary. Lord God, and we realize that the stone was rolled away. When they rolled the stone, when the angels and supernatural beings came and they rolled that stone away off of that grave, the new man stepped out of that grave. Lord, when you roll this stone off of our heart, God, every bit of reproach, we have stepped out of the grave as new men and women of God. Lord, we have been circumcised once at the cross, and Lord, we need not do it again. We walk in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Come on. Come on. Next, next week we're going to be going to Bethel. So you be in prayer as we, as we step into that arena as God teaches us the faith life. Tonight we're going to close this service in prayer. How many enjoyed Ronnie Jordan that was here a few weeks ago? Oh man, if you missed the service, let me encourage you to go back and listen. Profound, profound. Ronnie is going to be leading a team, his first team over towards the end of the month. But I want, as a mission's emphasis, I want us to pray uh, for Ronnie as he goes over, uh, his ministry team as they go in and they renovate the bomb shelters, and pray that the Lord willing will be able to uh, take a trip over there with our group, our church, in the fall. But I want us to pray tonight, I just felt impressed of the Lord, to pray for the peace in Israel. Pray for the peace in Israel. You can't bless Israel and not be blessed. Amen? We owe such a great debt of gratitude for Israel, for the ministry of bringing forth the Messiah. Amen? Right now, let's begin to pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we love you. We thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord God. About all the nations, Lord God, you drew forth a nation so that you could bless every nation, Lord. And Lord, we are so thankful tonight that you chose Israel, Lord God.
And Lord, you said in your word, you didn't choose them because, choose them because they were the mightiest, they were the strongest, uh, they were the fewest in number. You chose them because you loved them. And Lord, we need to love who you love. And Lord, we love Israel and we pray, Father, tonight for the peace in Israel. We pray, God, for the, for the hope of Israel. We pray, Father God, for the message of the gospel of the Messiah in Israel. We pray for the souls, Lord God, of the Israelite people. We pray, Lord God, that they would come to an awakening, Lord God, that there would be a revival that sweeps through their land. We pray for their protection. We pray, Almighty God, against foreign nations that are seeking, Lord God, encroaching upon their borders, Lord God. We ask, Father, that you would protect them and keep them. I pray, Father, for Ronnie, Lord, that you would bring forth the provision, the teams, the personnel, Lord, that he can continue to go in and minister to the Israelite people. Minister, Lord God, to his, to his, in his motherland. I pray, Father, that you would bless him, Lord, and watch over and keep him. And, Lord, continue to allow doors to open, Father. And, Lord, we pray that you will bless the gift and the giver tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much, guys, for coming. We'll see you back here Saturday morning prayer at uh, 8.30. And we'll see you back here Sunday morning at 9.30 for life class and 10.30 for morning worship. God bless. Have a great rest of the night.